Hey guys, Darren Bentley here. And before we get started, I wanted to make a special announcement. We have officially opened registration for the Private Money Conference, which is a three-day live event where you will learn directly from Jay and his team how to raise thousands of dollars in private money to fund all of your real estate deals. Now, in today's changing market, more and more people are losing out to other investors because most of those investors have the cash to fund these deals. Did you know that you are missing out on 87% of the real estate deals out there because you don't have access to private money? Sadly, most real estate investors don't even know this is the reason why they continue to lose deal after deal. And with everything that's happening in the market today, you absolutely need every advantage available to you. And having access to unlimited amounts of private money is your big advantage. So to register for this live event, head over to jconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event, where you will be able to lock in your seat for this live in-person three-day event, which takes place June 12th, 13th, and the 14th in beautiful North Carolina. But you got to be fast because there are a limited number of seats, and when they are gone, they're gone. So again, to take advantage of this incredible event and to learn how to raise all the private money you'll ever need directly from Jay Connor and his team, head over to jayconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jayconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event. Now let's get into today's episode. If you are a real estate investor, maybe you're a wholesaler and you wanted to stay in some deals but didn't have the funding, well, don't go anywhere because I'm getting ready to plug you into the... Well, welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing with Jay Connor. I'm Jay Connor, your host, also known as the Private Money Authority. Back in 2009, after being in this business for six years, I lost my lines of credit and had to find a new and better way to fund my deals. Well, I learned about this world of private money. I'm not talking hard money. I'm not talking institutional money. I'm talking private money. And since that time, I've never missed out on a deal because I didn't have the funding. Well, I have just released my brand new book, which is called Where to Get the Money Now, subtitle, How and Where to Get Money for Your Real Estate Deals Without Relying on Traditional or Hard Money Lenders. This book will walk you through step-by-step how to get all the private money you would ever want to fund your real estate deals. And guess what? You can get this book for free. That'll save you 20 bucks on Amazon. You can go to www.jayconner.com forward slash book. That's www.jayconner.com forward slash book. And we'll rush it out straight to you. And I'm going to ask you to pay a couple of bucks for shipping and handling, but the book itself is free. Well, if you've been tuning into the show, you know that I have just amazing guests that come on here to talk about their life, their real estate investing successes. And today is no different. My special guest today, actually, we've got a lot in common because he has a strong heart for the Lord. He's a luxury home builder. He's a multifamily developer. 
and he's also a single family home developer. He runs also, in addition to all that, a very large wholesaling company, which averages over 100 deals per year. He's been, as of today, investing in real estate for now a little over five years. One of his companies is called the Taylor Gene Homes. And what that company does is it builds high quality homes. Also, it renovates older homes with care and a spirit of revival. So no matter if starting from bare land or existing structure, president and founder is my friend. He ponders possibilities, develops and embraces a vision and develop, delivers excellence with high quality and a very strong creative design. He's constantly improving on processes. So he's all big on automation along with the use of technology and systems. He is a phenomenal entrepreneur, and I'm so excited to have here on the show with me, my friend and fellow entrepreneur, Casey Ames. Hello there, Casey. Welcome Hello. to the show. Thank you for having me. Quite the introduction. I'll take it. <laughs> there you go, Casey. Well, Casey, you know, you and I met uh, a few months ago. We're in a, in a fellow mastermind, and I was just really taken away with your presentation uh, that you gave at the mastermind. So it was for that reason that I invited you here on the show. So let's start out with your background story. What's your background look like and how did you get into real estate? Uh, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a long story uh, as most are, I suppose, but uh, I kind of struggled around when I was a kid, uh, got in a decent amount of trouble. I don't know how much more than, than most boys in general, but um didn't really focus on education. You know, I'd always ace the tests and never do the homework. So I'd end up with C's and that was kind of just, that's who I was. It, I didn't need to overachieve. I was always good at sports and had a competitive nature inside of me. Um, and so I got some restaurant jobs. I opened up uh, some PF Chang's restaurants all over the West coast for a while and was doing that. And around that time, uh, this would have been about five years ago, my parents switched. They were in the insurance business and they had moved to Phoenix to start in real estate and had found some pretty early success in flipping. Uh, and then they had a deal go bad. Uh, and that kind of, in my opinion, that was, uh, and there's two, that was the door and the window that God uh, chose to open for them was through this this failure that had happened in this flip. Well, they had met some pretty spectacular people. Uh, God kind of stewarded them along with uh, just very good connections, and they started a wholesale company. And that was before the time uh, of TTP with um, Tom's old company, Wholesaling Inc. and um, and really there wasn't a lot of systems that ha had been created or at least were marketed around that time. And so we were using very advanced systems at that time to not only pull data, but to, to do the acquisition of those deals. And uh, my mom just called me one day and said, Hey, you'd be really good at this. Stop serving tables. I worked both jobs for a long time. Um, not really that long of time. I should say probably like about two, three months. I worked both jobs and then I landed my first wholesale deal. Uh, and well, my first big wholesale deal, and it was about 20 K. Uh, and that was my push to go all in. And so I went all in from there. Um, and that's kind of the introduction to, I guess how I started at least. Yeah. So you're now doing like a hundred or more wholesale deals a year, right? In addition to your 
luxury build company and all that, right? Yeah. So we do about uh, annually. And I, I kind of, we talked about this uh, at the mastermind, but I, I hover in between 70 and 110. Um, I like both numbers. Uh, I don't work real hard at any of that anymore. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I honor the business and the blessings that God's given me through that business. And, you know, we give a lot out of that business, uh, and we, we focus the energy on it, but it's not the primary focus. It's kind of up and running and that engine's been oiled for quite some time now. So the deal's just kind of that everything's just on autopilot for the most part, some, some training here and there and whatnot, but. Yeah. What does your uh, staff look like in the wholesaling business? It's pretty lean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I first started cold calling, right? So it was just me. I was the one man army. Uh, my, my mother and my father were, were there, but they were also wrapping up their business in Phoenix. And so I had started a business in Boise and my business overtook that business that they were running in Phoenix. And so that I called them for assistance. So think of my dad, like the wizard of Oz, he's the one pulling the data. He's the one making sure or handling the skip tracing companies and all that uh, good stuff. And then my mom was more, uh, the second level of defense. Let's comp these out. Let's make sure these deals are good. Maybe the first line of calling them and, and kind of finding out if they're serious and then the torch would be passed to me. Uh, so we ran that way for about a year and a half and I got it to the point where I didn't want to do it anymore. I had focused on flipping at that time. And so I created a team of about five people. We had a, a still pretty lean, but we had a, a pretty tenacious uh, callers. We were cold call heavy at the time and some SEO, uh, but um, we just got the deals done and then I would go out and acquisition those. And then I slowly got an acquisition manager and such. And so now I have two acquisition managers, both part-time. Um, and then I handle a lot of the deal flow. But the one thing is, is that that company does do some cold calling and it is SEO friendly. So we have leads coming in consistently through SEO, but the majority of our, our stuff is for net from networking, just just my name and knowing that I can close, you know, your intro brings in the private money situation. And if people know you can close and you got no issues on funds, whether it's a million dollar house or a $200,000 house or a $50,000 house, uh, they'll call you if they want a quick, clean transaction. And so I get, I get a lot of calls. I have feelers out pretty much everywhere. So. I got you. Now, one thing that you are big on and you just alluded to it, and that is having systems in place so um, how about share with us, what are some of those systems that you have in place that, you know, keeps your machine, you know, finely oiled and greased and, and running smoothly? Yeah, I would say the, the majority that we run so lean. So there's in those company like Taylor Jean Homes, that company has a lot of integrated systems into it. There's a lot of automation. There's a lot of passing the torch. Uh, and so you've got to be real clean with that. The, my wholesaling business is at the point where we're just kind of monitoring right now. We're not trying to outgrow our britches. We're not trying to do 200 a year. We're just trying to stay consistent. So most of the, the systems are designed for quality control. So how was the lead addressed when it came in? Was it a quick response time? If it was a quick response time, what was the initial conversation like? Um, what, is the <clears throat> what is the motivation? Uh, that, that's always been my key pillar, if you will, of, of how to get a deal done is you find out what the true motivation is of the deal. Um, and you make sure it works for both parties and you find, you find out how to do that. So it's a, it's a problem that you can solve. Um, so training, 
the people that are talking to the leads, uh, making sure they're touching on motivation, making sure they're touching on why this is a good fit, why the cash offer is a good fit, touching on closing, things like that. And then we just have our criteria in there and those calls are recorded. And then if anyone goes through those, uh, if there's, let's say there's a consistent lag time, we can often go back in and listen to those recordings, which we have a person to do. Um, and she'll listen to those recordings. And if they're missing something, then it, it triggers to the next, which is usually me. Um, and like I said, we run so lean. I'm typically not involved in the day-to-day stuff, but this is with acquisition. I, it's for me, it's the difference, you know, it could be the difference 20, 30 grand. Um, and so we want to handle that with kid gloves. And so if it's a situation that we feel is not handled right, then it usually gets passed to me. And I, um, I butter it up as they say. <laughs> so in your wholesaling business, uh, what would you say your average, um, assignment fees are these days? Real quick, y'all, you guys already know that I don't run any ads on this and I don't sell anything. And so the only ask I can ever ask of you guys is that you help me spread the word so we can help more real estate investors make more money, feed their families, and have the private money they need to fund their deals. And the only way we can do that is if I ask you to rate and review and share this podcast. So the single thing that I ask you to do is you can just leave a review. It'll take you 10 seconds or one type of the thumb. It would mean the absolute world to me. And more importantly, it may change the world of someone else. Uh, well, consistently they were 17 for a couple years in a row. I would say the average is probably somewhere around 15 right now. Um, I get a lot of, uh, because my build company and my flip company are so big, we buy a lot of inventory. And so we will, we will methodically sell that off if the rotation isn't right, or I don't feel it's the right neighborhood for the types of houses I'm doing or whatever the case is. Right. But if there's 10 to 20 grand to be made, uh, we'll make it. And so I, I'm not going to pass on deals. I did go through a stage in wholesaling where I was being really critical with the price and I didn't want to take anything if there wasn't you know, a good spread in it. And so I'm not as picky now. I, I just want to feed the people. And so for me, uh, flipping, I have a unique position that I own Gem State Cash Offer, which is our wholesale company um, out of Idaho. So I get to see all these deals, but you got to remember that most of the flippers and builders out there don't have a wholesale company that they can lean on to get their inventory. And I understand that. And so I have, I have a decent amount of people that I don't know if they rely fully on me, but I, I feed them deals and I, I try to stay consistent, you know? So if I make five grand on a deal and it's going to make sure that they have extra room in their budget to, to set them up for success, then I'm going to make five grand. If I buy low and I get it worked out and we maybe spend a month or two months on the lead and, um, or even five or six months at that point, and I make a hundred grand, uh, I'm going to make a hundred grand on that wholesale with the intent to make sure that there's value created for the flipper builder. So I kind of just dictate my, I don't have a metric where I say, this is going to be a percentage I'm going to sell it at. I found that each individual flipper has their own criteria. And if the, the more we can adhere to them, uh, then we can get bigger values. I have guys that do a lot of rentals. They don't need to buy them as cheap. They don't need as much room. They're not selling them. They're not paying commissions to realtors, you know? So uh, we have a deal. I make sure they have good rental inventory and they pay, they pay the, the fee for it. Um, and so 
but I always give them inventory. So that makes sense. So um, in the areas where you're investing, so you're, you actually live in um, uh, Boise, Idaho, right? Correct. Uh, is all of your investing right around that area or do you invest uh, outside of that market? Um, I, I try to just invest here. Um, I am not against opportunity in other places, especially building portfolios. Uh, the home price here for the amount that money pe that people can make and then what their rent would be is, is pretty high, the cap that they're buying at. And so, you know, if a big hundred unit or something comes up in Mississippi, I, I don't have a problem going there to do that. But I, I keep most of my, I coach some people out of Utah and some stuff like that, but I, I try to keep most of my stuff market specific to Boise. We're gotcha. busy enough here. I don't need to be spread out. <laughs> Gotcha. Well, let's talk about finding deals. Uh, would you agree or not agree that it's more challenging to find motivated sellers now than say it was a couple of years ago? Yes. And I, and I got the same thing here. I mean, you know, in, in Eastern North Carolina, like, you know, well, for years I haven't relied on the multiple listing service to find a deal, right? Uh, the best deals are typically not on the market, what we call off market houses, but um, there's no inventory. And as soon as a house actually is put in the multiple listing service, it's sold. So um, I am now having to, uh, employ multiple, and I always have, but even more so multiple marketing channels to find the deals. So with that, in, and you mentioned a few moments ago that, you know, you get a lot of leads just through networking and, you know, people know you and that type of thing. But as far as consistent marketing outside of networking, uh, what would you say is working the best these days, uh, either for you or for some of your friends and colleagues? Well, first it comes down to offers out. How many offers out are you making? And I would argue I'll sit with some of the best wholesalers in the country. And one of the commonalities is they write more offers than the rest of people. Um, and I always write a lot of offers. And so we, we will tag the MLS too. Uh, but when we do, we put out 10, 20 offers. You know, uh, we search for different criteria. We search for how many days on market. If it's on the market for 20 in a hot market, there's something going on there. Um, and so we have all those, but I, I just think that people get a little lackadaisical with, you know, you get a 20 K assignment and then a 30 K assignment. Now you got 50 grand in the bank and you take the foot off the gas on, or you might get picky or whatever the case is, but we're just consistently putting offers out. I mean, I probably, write, I probably, I had, I had a metric that I followed that I wanted to put 10 off, 10 offers out a week. Um, for a long time. And I, I have, I haven't necessarily done that, but I bet you, I still hit about 10 offers a week. Um, and you know, the other thing that I think is important is to know that your buyer's list and to know what you can offer in your buyer's list. So the market is more markets, right? The two to $300 market is different than the three to five and the three to five is different than the six to nine. And then million dollar market is a lot different than those. And so most of your people are fishing out of that 500 and lower market, 600 and lower. And this, these are obviously my prices, right? In Boise. But I, when, when everyone was hunting down there, I trained up a couple of my students to do the luxury homes because that's what we do. And now we buy them in the million dollar inventory. Well, there's a lot of inventory in the million dollar houses. Most people just don't know what they're going to do. So they don't list with the agent. 
I would say about 70% of the offers that we make in the million dollar market have already thought about selling their home and the motivations there to sell, but they just haven't done it yet. They might've already called an agent and the agents already came out there and gave them a price and they just haven't listed it yet. So we get a lot of pocket deals that way where all the luxury agents that deal in the million dollar market and up know that I buy those and they know that they also have buyers in those same things. So we have a place here called the Mesa and it overlooks all of Boise. And I, I take that place over. I, I love it up there. And so they know that if I do a house up there, they can sell it for top dollar to one of their buyers. So their buyer might be interested in that area, but that old unrenovated house that the person's debating whether they're selling isn't the house for them yet. So that agent now calls them and say, hey, well, what if I could get you cash? I have a buyer that loves this neighborhood. What if I could get you cash? He'll give you a post possession. So he'll let you rent it out for the next 30 days, 45 days, whatever it takes uh, while you're moving your stuff. And, uh, and, and then he'll just give you the cash, no inspections. And so, so we do that a lot and I get, I get some of the best inventory in those real high price point items. So I, my advice to some people is just, you might have to switch pawns every now and then. Um, but there's a good amount of flippers that will love houses in, in that price point. Um, so you just kind of switch your buyer pool. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, that somewhere around 70% of those luxury, uh, homeowners have thought about selling or, you know, they've, they've been talking about it, but they haven't listed it. What's um what's some of your favorite ways to find those possibly motivated sellers that are owners of luxury homes? Uh, well, I think the 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 recognition is what has helped me, and I say that humbly. But I I just we put out a really good product, and typically the hungry luxury agents, there's the same ten are bringing that those clients into these house, right? Well, only one of them gets it. And you're going to see those same agents shuffling around. So I just made sure I have good relationships with all them and they send me a deal. I give them their commission on it. So they might make 30 grand on, on the purchase of acquisition. And then I'll say, you know, well, Hey, you can list it too. Uh, and now they're going to make, now it's over a million dollars. Let's say that's like a, you know, eight, $900,000, uh, deal. And then I listed at 1.5, 1.6, somewhere around there. And they're making some good money. So they get their 3% on the buy side. And then when I go to sell, um, I do it for a percent and a half. I won't, I usually won't let them list unless it's a percent and a half, but they, and then they get that percent and a half. So they stand to make a lot of money on me. And they, they also know that I put out a good product that buyers are going to circle to. So talking, networking with people, letting them know that you're there, putting out quality and, and respect uh, on your company and your name. You know, I treat people really fair. I don't beat people up. It's either the deal uh, for us or it's not the deal for us. Um, and I'll decide based on the room. The other one that I think uh, I mentioned this on um, a podcast the other day. The other one that I think a lot of people don't use is the photographers. So if you're missing out on the photographers that are going and taking these pictures of the houses that are going to go on the MLS and you don't have referral fees into them saying, Hey, if you send me a house before it goes to the market or off market property, I'll give you a thousand bucks or 15,000 or 1500 bucks. You're missing out because those guys go to every single house that's listed, right? So you find the big brokers, you find, you find out who they're, uh, they're, uh, 
camera guys are, the companies that are snapping the pics, and then you offer referrals. Because once again, you're in that same situation. Like, yes, they want a list, but cash is king. So if they can avoid all that stuff and avoid the other 3% that's to be had from the buyer's side and save some money off their net, they're going to go with your cash offer and then you don't have to deal with the competition. So we like that one. Uh, we use that quite a bit. That is interesting. So just to make sure everybody understands, you contact the photography companies. <clears throat> These companies are hired by the realtors. They're going out taking pictures. They give you the lead and then you and your team negotiate with the seller um, before it actually goes into the multiple listing service. The, the seller's agent. So we'll, we want that agent to get commission off of it because we want that to be a good deal for everybody, right? Right. If you just go directly to the seller from the photographer. Now, if it is a seller situation and there's no agent involved, of course, yeah, we want the seller. But we want every we don't want to feel like we're cutting in everybody out. I, I I'm a firm believer in everybody needs to eat good. So uh we just say, Hey, what were you gonna list it at? They say, Oh, we were gonna list it at eight hundred. I said, Okay, well, there's about thirty thousand in commissions that you stand to save. What if I what if I do 770 cash and I close in five days and I'll let them stay in there until they're moved out for 30 days or whatever we have to do to negotiate that motivation. Um, and then they can call their seller and make a choice. How much influence they have will be, you know, that's the good agents will get it done and the other ones will try to drag their feet. I will say you got to be quick. You got to be quick, which goes back to your private money thing. You, you got you to gotta let them see that they can get a million bucks or 500,000 in five days, by the end of the week, they could have their money in their account, you know? So I want to make sure that uh, we understand the, um, the negotiation technique. So let's say that you, so you got, you got a referral from the, the photography guy and mm -hmm. you contact the listing agent that's getting ready to list that house. <clears throat> and let's say, so walk us through one more time, give us a hypothetical. So you call them up, you say, Hey, what were you going to list the house for? Walk us through one more time that negotiation technique and what you offer in order to get the offer accepted. Right. Well, it's early seeds planted. So keep in mind, these photographers know that they get paid if I close a deal, right? Any deal that I close, they're going to get paid. So those conversations usually are started with the listing agent before I even hear about the deal. So for hypothetical situation, hy uh, photographer gets a call to go out to 123 Front Street. He goes out, it's the listing agent, him and the seller, maybe just him and the listing agent. He starts snapping the pics and he says, so when are you going live on this thing? And they say Friday and it's Monday. He said, Monday huh? or Friday, huh? Okay, what were you going to list for? And they're like, well, we're going we're gonna to probably go at 800,000. And, and then he's, I, I have them trained up to where they go, okay, so if I could get you that 800,000 or real close or maybe even more, I'm not sure where he'll come in exact. If I can get that, to you and in your bank account by Friday, would your seller consider selling right now to cash to for cash? And they say, yeah, I think so. And then he goes, okay, well, let me put, put you in contact with Casey Ames. And um, I'm pretty sure he's going to want this house. And they know, they know what I'm looking for usually. Right. Uh, and then, then I, then I either call that agent or most of the time they call me. Um, once again, it goes down to the name. Uh, our company has a pretty good name for ourselves. So they know that we're going to handle our business and, and cover it. But so if I talk to the agent now and the guy hasn't said anything, the photographer hasn't said anything, then I just ask the questions, you know? So it, are you guys listening to this thing in as is condition? Uh, no, we don't have to list it in as is condition. It's, it's, it's a nice home. 
Okay, perfect. What, what, uh, is it been fully renovated? Uh, well, they did a renovation back in 2018, but it could use some updates. All right. What were you guys going to go live at? Oh, we were going to go live at 800. Okay. Um, so let me, can I, can I call you back in like 30 minutes and I'll run some comps on it real quick. But if the numbers do come back and I can give you the eight or close to it, um, or even more, I got to check the comps. W would your seller be interested in just closing out cash? I'll make it, I'll make it easy. Um, five day close, no inspection, no appraisal. Uh, we'll just, we'll just wrap it up. We go through Cassie Johnson at pioneer title and, uh, you know, we can just get it done real quick. Yeah. My seller might be interested in that. And then the other one that I use a lot is big earnest money because I, I deal with a lot of private money and, um, my, our money is pretty good. And so I'll, I'll say, and just, just to be clear so that your seller doesn't think he's wasting his time, like we'll throw 20,000 down on earnest just to, just to bet him. And it'll be released to the seller on acceptance of the offer. So then the seller's like, well, okay, I stand to make 20 grand if he backs out and I only have to wait a week for the rest of my money. And I'm not saying nine out of 10 times, but it works a lot. So that's awesome. What a great technique. And as you mentioned, it's just so important to have those relationships in place. And you know, the better networker you are, the more business you're going to do, right? Yeah. The more people you talk to, the luckier you get, they say, right? <laughs> I love it. Well, look, we're about ready to wind up this show um, <clears throat> here, Casey, but I do have a question for you. And that is, <clears throat> if you only had 30 seconds to give your best friend the best advice you could give him, and you only had 30 seconds to give him, and you knew that you didn't have to worry about him punching you in the nose <laughs> when you gave him this advice, what's the best advice you could give your best friend in 30 seconds or less? I tell him find Jesus. Two seconds. words, that, two words that are very impactful, right? Yeah. And you could go into it and take up the, the time, but I would just seek the Lord, read the book uh, and treat people the way that he says to treat people in that book and uh, all opportunity will be open to you. Absolutely. Well, brother, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and share with me and the audience today. I appreciate you. Yep. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. God you bless you. God bless you. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of Real Estate Investing with Jay Connor. I'm Jay Connor, the Private Money Authority, wishing you all the best. Here's to taking your business to the next level of success. And I'll see you right here on the next episode of Real Estate Investing with Jay Connor. Mm -hmm.